Hello, and welcome to Form and Function, a podcast exploring enthusiasm everyday gear, from watches to EDC tech and lifestyle products. Join us as we chat, interview, and discuss topical subjects about subcultures we all know and love. Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Form and Function podcast. We have a bit of a bit of a different one today. We are joined by by a, a guest that I'm hugely excited to talk to, gentleman Bo. Bo is Mono. Hi. We've actually mentioned you. I'm trying to remember which episode it was. Maybe we've only done eight, so it can't be that many. But it's maybe <laughs> episode two. I think you were my homework, or the thing oh. people should go and listen to. Oh, okay, cool. So I'm I'm super excited <laughs> to have you on. Yeah, thank you very much uh, for inviting me. It's a pleasure and an honor to be on your podcast. I have been following your Instagram for many years already. So we are basically, we know each other for many years. And we actually wrote each other many times already. So just from DMs, we know each other. And I believe that I asked you about the Alox series because oh, that, okay. yeah, that was that was actually how I found your Instagram and how I was like, wow, Swiss army knives are cool. They're not that boring as <laughs> I was thinking of back then. <laughs> that is sacrilege. What do you mean they're not cool? They're all cool. <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> and, well, Bo, I think, I think my stalkerdom began of you, possibly, I'm sure, before that. But I think seven, eight years wouldn't be, I don't think, too far wrong. It's weird, isn't it? This social media stuff is very strange. Yeah, and I finally have a face to the picture. I mean, your your profile picture hasn't changed in all of these years, right? It's always the same one. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that was a mistake? I no, and I think it's re very recognizable at to this point because a the colors really pop, and I can see. I don't usually most of the people are, who are scrolling down the DM line they just look at the pictures and I can find your picture right away. So I would also recommend not to change it. Now it's so, so yeah, it's, it's you basically. And it's cool to finally see a face to that, <laughs> to that, to that Instagram account. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm not that active on, I am active on Instagram, but I'm not as active as I once was maybe mm. like four years ago. Uh, well, you know, I was very much kind of chatting to people all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, life changes and that stuff. And Instagram changed. Yeah. And life changes as well, right? I mean, yeah. You have you have a boy, so if I mean, yeah. yeah, so that that changes everything. That is a whole different different thing. One thing that hasn't changed is my love of I'm going to say silly bits of gear, just just all <laughs> sorts of objects and stuff. I I've I've always loved that. I'm still I'm I'm I may be 40, but I'm I'm also 4. But may I say I listened to the last or one of the last episodes and what I really liked where you and your colleagues on the podcast were saying that this, all of these knives and you really enjoy this hobby, but you were kind of saying to the listeners, please be considerate of what you are allowed to carry and if you actually need it, because especially in Europe, knife laws are so I'm not sure what the right word is, in, is uh, strict or intense. Yeah. And I really like that was the first time I've ever heard someone in our EDC world really saying to 
kind of abide the law and be, hey, do you really need to carry this knife? Is that appropriate to where you're going? You're going on a dinner date or whatever. Do you really need to? I really respect that. I, as I said, that, that was the first time I ever heard someone really saying that. And I really respect that you kind of took a stance and said like, hey, be considerate of what you're doing. Be considerate of the laws in the country you're living in. You, do you really need to carry that while still being very enthusiastic and passionate about this hobby? And that's what I really like. That was cool. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a it's an issue. Knives are an issue in the UK exactly. and, and I think in Germany too. Yeah. Bo, by the way, is in Hamburg. That's right. Isn't yes. It? Yes. Uh, yeah. I, knives are are definitely a, an issue. I'm looking at the recent horror on Instagram with people's accounts being kind of uh, limited recently. Yeah. I I've think a that. lot of that was driven. So mine was was limited too. Oh, okay. And the it actually told me which posts were being limited. Mm. And the posts that were limited were the ones that had visible blades. So even if they were mm. one inch long, two length, if, if the blade yeah, was yeah, visible, yeah. they limited, they basically those were the posts they were saying were problematic. Yeah, the ones yeah. where it was a, a closed knife, which is most of them for me, mm. it, they didn't have a problem with. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. I say the, they, the, the computer, the AI yeah. didn't have a problem with it. Just kind of peculiar. It's released now. And I think for most people, if you just mm. appeal, they release it essentially, assuming you're not posting pictures of weird stuff. But I think, I think, you know, you mentioned this in, previously, but most of your audience and most of people that I've interacted with, a large proportion of them are in the US. And I think yes. in the US, their rules are very different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's easy to forget that, you know, in Europe, we have. Yeah very different different within europe rules mm. but i mean especially now the uk has done done the dirty and 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 jumped ship but you know having different rules mm. means that you know you need to pay attention it's not also it's not only different rules but i do see a completely different mentality and perspective on view uh, on knives in general and i get a lot of comments about how they are very blunt in terms of they say how stupid are europeans that they don't uh, what hmm. what's going to happen with knives and from one side i understand where they are coming from but on the other side we have so many incidents and i without getting too political i do believe in the us it's a similar issue that we see so many incidents where knives actually hurt or unfortunately also killed people so i kind of understand both sides but i do like the european perspective on it a little bit better just because also me from a martial arts background all my trainers said hey doesn't matter what belt you have doesn't matter how good you can punch if there's someone with a knife you run that person has a huge advantage even if that person can't handle a knife and just having a little bit i mean Still, people can walk around with a knife, but it's not that common in Europe, or at least not in Germany. And I believe that is due to the fact that the laws are so strict. And I would be afraid that if we would loosen those laws, then suddenly everyone would carry a knife. That would be scary, to be quite frank. It would, yeah. I I can't speak for, for kind of Central Europe, but the UK 
they've chosen really to, they haven't fiddled about too much with the knife laws over the last few years, but they've very much tightened up on the, on the sale of knives. Mm. So the idea that you're, you know, you've got to prove a certain age, again, proving it, proving that you're 18 is definitely not a defining factor as to whether you are going to be safe with a knife, but at least having something, some kind of control was a good idea for by knives. I'm not just meaning our kind of knives, you know, sort of tool knives. I mean, you know, kitchen knives. Any, yeah, yeah. any knife is dangerous. And that's the thing, isn't it? That's one of the bugbears that people often raise, that idea that ev- anything's dangerous. Yeah. You know, a pen is dangerous if you're yeah. a psychopath. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, on one hand, foldable knives are forbidden or prohibited, but walking around with a, how do you call those, those handy knives where you cut like carpets and stuff like that. What's that knife called? Uh, like a sort of a craft knife or a... Yeah, some, and that's that's allowed. Stanley and I, knife? Yeah, it's Stanley knife, yeah, something like that. And I remember that here in Hamburg, we have a pretty big uh, red light distri- district and there were a lot of incidents, or not a lot, but there were some incidents where people got cut up with those knives, kind of where you have those replaceable blades. And because obviously that is allowed by law to carry around so i get the argument that anything can be dangerous but just having these laws kind of implemented in society maybe at least there is some boundaries in your mind where you potentially say oh well some 16 year old would then be a little bit hesitant to say okay i'm not going to take a knife and i feel that if the law would be looser than that small boundary in that person's mind would be totally eliminated, you know, and then that person would say, okay, I take a knife with me. And that maybe just that little switch in your mind maybe is helpful, but that's just speculation on my part, actually. No, I think you're right. I think being reminded that, you know, do you need, do you need to have this? Exactly. I'll be honest. I do, I do carry, I say I carry a knife, you know, I kind mm. of, uh, I'm doing big old air quotes on, on the video, but the, <laughs> um, you know, I carry a little, a little Swiss army knife and it yeah. has a knife on it. So it's a knife, but, yeah. and frankly, I could kill someone with it. Absolutely. No doubt sure. about it, but I'm not, you know, that's, that's not really the point. I don't carry it for anything other than, you know, it's got little scissors on it. I use it all the time. Yeah. Bottle open though. But do I need to carry it? And, and frankly, if I'm going out for dinner or something, I don't even carry that. I, you know, the, the, it goes in, it goes in a bag or it goes in, exactly. you know, it's, you just, you just don't need it for us. Knives are a weapon first, probably they stop being tools for most people. They're just viewed mm. as a weapon as a society. Yeah. But I think what you said in the episode is looking at the situation or the occasion where you might carry it. And I feel that the Swiss army knife, in that regard, is a tool that is much more suitable for most situations, while a flipper knife with, I don't know, a three-inch blade or something, that is not appropriate for most cases. And I, and that's something that so many Americans tell me that, hey, you can use it for anything, and knives are so useful. Yes, they are useful, but I would argue that it's not as useful like my tiny Swiss army knife, because I can't open a bottle with, with a flipper knife. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to front anyone in the USA, but you have 
And I would love if Germans ha Germany had that too, but you have twist opening bottles. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> we do need a bottle opener all of the time, and I can't open a bottle with a flipper knife. Do you, you don't have twist top, as in no. that's just not common. Okay. UK has twist well, top as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not, I'd, I'd say it's not universal. It's definitely, there's way more of them now than the Oh, world. wow. That's cool. None of the bottles in Germany have twist tops. Do you guys have the recycling thing where yeah. you you put you can you get money back by returning yeah. the bottles? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think the system. I I've, I've, I go to Denmark oh, really frequently, and they we don't know. There's nothing. Oh, you like throw that here. away the bottles. Oh, well, we we recycle them, but we recycle them in theory at oh, home okay. or, or you know the the kind of the local government councils. Recycle I see. Them. Yeah, for every bottle that you every glass bottle that you bring back, you get twenty five cents. So that is why we have so many people like, uh, on in club areas that are walking around and they're collecting all of the bottles because it is actually quite a lot of money at the end yeah. of the night when you bring all of those bottles back. So yeah, that's yeah. If that's the reason why we don't have twist off, maybe I'm, I'm just thinking whether that's a thing if they're reusing. But... In Germany, everyone knows how to open a bottle with a with a lighter. <laughs> But I don't know how to open it with a with a flipper knife because all of the edges are kind of beveled on most knives. So it's really hard to actually open a bottle with a knife. That is why I always argue, okay, it doesn't make any sense for me to bring a flipper knife or something. It's cool to cut boxes. So I only keep those knives at home or packages and stuff like that. But when I'm walking around the city, I have a Swiss, small Swiss army knife that is street legal and that has bottle opener and pair of scissors. It's so useful. Which which one do you do you carry? Do you know, uh, do you the know Super that? Tinker? Ah, okay. I have the Super Tinker and I modded it. I took off the plastic scales, and in Hamburg, not in Hamburg. Um, I think they were in a in a city in a small city, north of Hamburg. They're called Daily Customs. And yeah. I bought um, these titanium scales that I epoxied to the Super Tinker. Yeah. Really nice. expensive. Um, it was an investment. I get that not many people would buy those, but yeah. Oh, for I me, did, it was did, perfect. Um, Bo, you're the, the people listening to this are, are on board <laughs> all the way. We're, we are, we're gear people. The idea of spending, I think, what they go for maybe like 80, let's say 80 euros. Is that yeah. a bit more? Maybe is that sort of thing? 80, I think the version that I got is, was 90 um, because the Super Tinker is slightly taller. Bigger. Yeah. Than, yeah. And um, yeah, the Super Tinker for me is the perfect version for an urban area because I don't drink wine, for instance. I don't need a corkscrew, but I do need a Phillips head on my tools. So that's the perfect knife or multi-tool for me. A, a classic. Um, yeah. I'm very glad that, that if, if, you, if, if you were going to tell me you had a Leatherman or something, I think you and I would have fallen out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Call disconnected. I'm kidding. <laughs> all the same. I, but I, I love all this stuff. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm just very loyal to, to Victorinox for, yeah. for no good reason. They've never been loyal. To, to me or indeed the customer base when they discontinued the Alox cadet they used to do the remember these two yeah. the annual ones the colored ones yeah and they took they still do the annual color stuff but they don't do the cadet anymore i think you like them so much because at least from my personal perception swiss army knives have somewhat of a heritage feel to it it's kind of 
I re- it's kind of, to me it's a little bit like buying a Rolex. I don't own a oh, Rolex, okay. yeah. but it feels very. It's something that you can pass along, and uh, Leatherman is a great tool, but it does feel like a tool. If I had a son, I I wouldn't give him a hammer. <laughs> Here, son. Yeah. Here you get my old hammer. No, but you would give your son maybe a Rolex or a w- nice watch or a Swiss Army knife. At least to me, it feels like that. Although, Bo, I've I've got a really cool hammer, honestly. Like, yeah, a, a, yeah I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But it's a, <laughs> there are some pretty damn cool hammers. Yeah. Your world of YouTube, if you, you type in expensive hammers, you know, we talk about you know, spending 80, 90 pounds on some scales for, for a penknife. Sure. Um, these guys are spending hundreds of pounds on a hammer that genuinely does exactly the same job as a, as a you know, 10 pound one. However, I am on board with the concept. Yeah. yeah, it'll look amazing. But one of the things I've always loved about your YouTube channel, so you know the Bo YouTube channel, is the way you go about reviewing things, the way you thank you. The way you break down the product. And weirdly, from so our you know, the name of our podcast being Form and Function, you're you're probably one of the only or certainly one of the leaders in in the function element. So much of YouTube is about form. It's about how it, oh, yeah. how, it how it, can, like that's the bit people are paying attention to. Mm. Whereas you spend a lot of time discussing. I mean, you talk about that too because that is important. You know, sure. I think we're making. You know, we're lying to ourselves if we say it's all about the function. But mm. you talk about the function and indeed how that affects its form. Yeah, yeah. For for example, the you're one of the earliest ones to talk about how it how the bags would sit on your body. So you yeah. tell us, you tell, I'm this tall, here's me wearing it. And that sort of thing. And that blew my mind a while back because, I mean, Thank from you. a personal point of view, I'm small-ish and you know, I'm 5'8". I used to find, you know, I'd, I'd buy a backpack and it would be massive on me. I'd buy this mm. sort of like 50 litre thing. And I did yeah, this yeah. before, frankly, the, the, <laughs> I went, went down the, the your rabbit hole. But that experience of having someone actually break down the functional elements of a product, not just, you know, here's a zip, it opens, this mm. is a compartment but all of the little details, all the things that we love on this podcast and, and I think our listeners probably enjoy too, those details, which is why your, your, frankly, the, your videos on, in the bag world are, and it's why you were, the, what, you were the first YouTube channel that I think I recommended on the basis that if you want to learn about bags, if you want to go into the details of bags and work out whether this is for you, you know the bow on you YouTube. <laughs> Thank you very much. Really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> it's a genuine. I'm I, I, another reason why I'm really happy to have you on as our as our first interview. Yeah, I'm, I'm very honored, and I'm 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 flattered. Thank you very much. I get what you're saying in terms of functionality being so important, and I actually this this philosophy, or I'm not sure if it's actually philosophy, but I'm a huge tech nerd, and I really. I got annoyed by some tech reviews that kind of glossed over the negatives or important functions. For instance, phone reviews. I get why people are looking for how good is the camera, but they always forget the usability of that phone, which is calling, cell reception. (laughs) What good is a phone that takes good pictures and you want to post them and cell reception is bad. That kind of sparked my how I wanted to review stuff because I really emphasize negatives on my videos because I do feel 
that that is much more helpful. It doesn't, just because I mention all of the negatives doesn't mean that the product is bad, but it will help you. And I, I was always looking for phone reviews back then that kind of told me, hey, that's the negative of that phone. And maybe that applies to your use case. So maybe not buy that. And I remember Sony, I don't know. I mean, we are the sa almost the same age. Do you remember Sony Ericsson phones? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They had the best cameras in them because they came from the cyber shot and stuff like that. But no one told me that the reception is bad. <laughs> the reception of those phones back then was terrible. And I was walking around with the greatest camera on my phone, but no one was able to call me. <laughs> that was still annoying. Yeah. Yeah. The cost of an MS was basically oh, that's half your weekly allowance yeah. gone. So. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and it was so annoying. And everyone was using a Nokia phone, and I was on my stupid Sony Ericsson phone. <laughs> and everyone else had Snake. You exactly. Were, there you were. You had no snake. <laughs> Good times. Uh, we are we are dating ourselves wonderfully. I think snake oh. is a. Although I, Nokia, what? that that was sad. I mean, the whole Nokia yeah. kind of thing. I feel like that's. I mean, it's inevitable in in tech. And the, yeah, if, you, if we think of the speed at which tech moves now compared to then, my mom gave me this. She found that in her drawer. This was my old Nokia oh. phone. For, for all of the all your listeners, this is the Nokia. I don't know, but it's not the exact uh, version of the one Neo used in Matrix, but a similar one where you push the little button and now you can listen oh, to the sound. Yeah. Where where <laughs> this bottom thing kind of flips open and now here ASMR. Sounds great, right? See, the best thing is, I reckon a lot of our listeners will know the exact phone you're talking about just yeah. by that sound. I don't know which number it is. It doesn't say. It's the 7110. The 8 is the is the one that Neo uses. It's Was a little that, bit that, different. Because okay. I think the, the, the higher the number, in theory, the higher level it was. So the most yeah. premium ones had the highest numbers. But then I think so at one cool, point right? they just flipped that away and got rid of it. But yeah. um, that is so cool. It's also, it's not that big. It's not weird. No. It's not like, it's no, actually it's, it's... a really good phone. <laughs> I know it's just audio listeners. It has <laughs> the same size of a Logitech MX Master mouse. So it's very compact and it's good in the hands, but very easy to lose if you're drunk and you <laughs> are entering a cab and then it slips out while you're drunk. <laughs> Had to happen this a, lot, a couple of times, actually, but I was fortunate enough that all of the cab drivers back then were nice. No, it's different. Different world. Yeah, yes. I guess. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah. I can't actually remember any of the... I think I had all the kind of regular Nokia phones, sort of the ones yeah. before those ones, so like uh, the more basic ones. Something serious. Yeah. Where there are a lot of memes about that you can actually use the phone to hammer a nail into wood <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the good old days. I say the good old days. Yeah. I so I'm I, I I like the past. I like the kind of the history of technology, mm. but I really quite like the new stuff too. I love the fact that tele technology marches fast. Yeah. For me personally, when I say I kind of miss the old days, I do miss the simplicity of the old days. For instance, I, I am a huge fan of 80s movies. I like The Rock. I like um, Broken Arrow. 
I like um, Ferris Bueller and stuff like that. So old 80s movies, they're stupid. However, what I liked about 80s movies is it's is so clear cut. You have a protagonist and an antagonist and they fight each other. That's it. Now, and I'm not saying that now, movies nowadays are bad. I'm just trying to illustrate why I sometimes miss the old times. Now you have movies. I'm also a huge Marvel fan. You have a movie like Infinity War where you have an antagonist where you kind of understand where he's coming from and yeah. why he's doing stuff. And if you, your mind is a little bit twisted, you would kind of agree with him or why he's doing it. So it's not that clear cut what is good and what is evil. And it makes the story so interesting. But I sometimes miss the simplicity of the old days where, okay, you have a, you have a bad guy here and you have a hero over here and it's done. And that person has maybe a love story. It was easier back then. I know what you mean. It's they they kind of followed a classic pattern. Yeah. And you, and you almost you could turn it on and know what stage of the film you're at based on sort of you know the the plot would be fairly obvious where it is. Exactly. You you know what I think the film for me the film that changed that was kind of at the forefront of changing that and this is a bit of a jump here but but it's Gladiator. Yeah. Weirdly, I think the layering One in Gladiator about who's good and who's bad yeah. and he was the leader of you know the bad as such yeah. and then he became you know that this kind of layering that was one of those first films certainly for me it was one of those first films that had the layers in it kind of just felt so different to what i'd watched yeah you know even thinking of like the my favorites as a, as a kid to kind of like terminator 2 yeah was one of my favorite films growing up or maybe like i don't know free willy you know, those oh, kind yeah. of thing. Do you yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. This got, and that's a simple version. Those are two very different films, clearly, but they followed that same pattern of kind of mm. fairly straightforward. I know Terminator 2 is, has kind of was maybe a bit more deep, but Gladiator for me, genuinely yeah. trying to work out. I mean, obviously, you work out who's good and who's bad, and that has an almost pantomime element to it, but it still had a sort of layering in it of like, why is he bad? Yeah. Like, is, you know, he's going a bit, he's going, going a bit mad or kind yeah, of like, yeah. it just, it had layers. And I think that from then on, I think kind of directors just there was more depth they they felt they could put in because yeah. i'm trying to think when that came out i'm not actually sure we're probably probably quite a bit after the 80s was that late 90s gladiator was it early I noughties think so, even? yeah 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 i think 90s 2000 somewhere around that area but yeah you're totally right and i i think that made or is making movies much better because there is a depth to it there is a mm. hero's journey and we needed that However, the world nowadays, I mean, we both live in the Europe part of the world. We have two big wars going on at the moment. We have so much stuff going on. And my mind sometimes wants something simpler. Yeah. And um, especially if it comes to entertainment. And I, when I am watching stuff, I kind of get also overloaded by all of the choices that I have with Disney Plus, with Netflix, Amazon Prime, and stuff like that, that I sometimes just switch off and I'm saying, oh, I can't, I, I just can't watch something new. I just gonna watch a rerun because it's, mm. it's something that I know it's my brain doesn't have to kind of function too much. I mean, that sounds kind of silly, but no, no, yeah, I'm not sometimes at all. it's so much going on in this world and especially the older you get the more responsibilities you have 
you have to think about, oh, how do I pay that bill? How do I do this and jobs and here and there? And then you just want to switch off at night and watch a movie. And then you see all of the new movies and you think like, oh, I, I really want to watch that. But, oh, that's, that looks already very complicated just from the trailer. <laughs> Okay, let's just Michael J. Fox with Secret to My Success. That's it. <laughs> that's what I'm going to watch now because that's simple. <laughs> Actually, that, that brings me to, to one of my questions I was going to ask a bit later. But guilty pleasures. T uh, guilty pleasures, guilty let's, let's pleasures, specify. Yeah. T on kind of entertainment guilty pleasures. So be it sort of TV, music, film. Uh, by the sounds of it, yeah. film is more your thing from that point of view than TV or? Um, I do like series a lot. However, I'm kind of torn sometimes in regards to how much time I actually want to invest in a new series because series nowadays are very targeted towards, oh, let's see how it works. Oh, it works. Let's do a big cliffhanger and do the next season. And then you have to wait just a whole year for the next season. So I'm sometimes very hesitant to start a new series just because I don't want to invest too much time. Therefore, I do watch a lot of movies, specifically a lot of action sci-fi movies. I used to be a huge Marvel fan, but now I was a little bit disappointed by, I got, it's too much at the moment. It's too much. It's oversaturated. Some of the last ones recently, I, it's not often that I don't finish a film, but I think, I think there's two films, not in the cinema, I would always stay in the cinema. Yeah. But kind of at home, I think I tried that. Uh, is it Quantum Mania? Yeah, Ant Ant Man one, yeah, and and that's I like Paul Rudd. I think he's you know yeah. I think he's a great he's great character. Yeah. As in he's a great actor for that style of thing. And I don't think I even made it past halfway. Films for me are harder because of the amount of time they take. Yeah, you know if that's two and a bit hours, well to sit still for two and a bit hours, and that sounds yeah. kind of sad. But you know life's busy and. And sitting down for that is quite a commitment. Whereas a TV series, even if it's a fairly sort of longish one, mm. if you've got forty minutes, you know, an hour yeah, maybe, yeah, that's that's more manageable from before you're feeling guilty about not going to do something else. Yeah, that's true. I mean, my kind of guilty pleasure stuff are even shorter. I like kind of twenty minutes. So like Parks mm. and Rec. Have you come across that Parks and Rec? Not yet. It's in my watch list, oh. but I haven't started it yet. Oh, Bo, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw recently that you reviewed Ted Lasso. Yeah. So if you if you want a bit of, I'm not going to say the two are that similar, but they're similar in the fact that they kind of feel good, and the oh, fact that you get cool. you can you can put aside the fact that it's not perfect television by the fact that you you invest in the characters. Yeah. And therefore you just it's it's kind of warm and fuzzy, and oh, Parks and Rec yeah, is cool. and the fact that it's you know it's all done and you're not going to you know there's no new stuff means that the story's all there. How many seasons are there? Oh God, uh, seven, eight, something like that. It's not quite as big as the American office of the US office. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think went up to maybe 12. Something wow, like that. 12 yeah. seasons. Oh, wow. Which is also brilliant. I'm going to say yeah. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, um, I like uh, Steve Carell, right? Yeah. His name? yeah. Yeah, I like him a lot. H have you watched the US office? Uh, I started actually, but I, I don't know what happened at kind of stopped watching in the middle not sure not sure why it, it did Maybe. go on it, it did have a lull too yeah these sort of programs these are my kind of guilty pleasure in the fact that i don't know why that's guilty pleasure lots of people love those but yeah would the, the, the kind of thing that you can just pleasure. go and watch yeah especially yeah. those aren't really guilty pleasures are they yeah. those are just pleasures yeah um 
I think if it's a, if it's a guilty pleasure, what would be a guilty pleasure? I don't know. I mean, nowadays everything is kind of cool. Maybe it's just we're we're, we're kind of comfortable oh, with ourselves. I, I, I know what would be a guilty pleasure, but since I haven't watched it lately, I did like Fast and Furious a lot. I would Ooh. say that is a guilty pleasure, but I haven't yeah. seen the last four films. <laughs> <laughs> but all of the early ones I watched, I enjoyed a lot. I would say that's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> the last four from the last six months, you mean? Is it? The four <laughs> most recent ones. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. Are they in space already? I'm is not that... sure. <laughs> How many are there? I, I used to love the first ones, but I think I think like you, I've not I've not kept up with them. I I'm not sure, but I believe I've seen a Fast and Furious X. I've seen an X. Oh, okay. There's so maybe X they're already there. in 10. So there are 10 of them. Uh, yeah. But I mean, they're huge. Right. Okay, Bo, I'm going to, I'm going to, I've taken you down a, 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 a waffly path of mine in, in the way I'm set to do, but I'm, I'm going to bring you back some, some recommendations, if that's right. If we can, if we can tap into your, your experience and knowledge okay. and get some recommendations for some gear. Okay. I'll start with, what for me certainly has always been your your key focus is bags and and i think the one that for most of us you know we all we would all love to travel all the time so yeah. travel bags is a great thing but but daily bags so kind of edc bags or kind of going to work type bags mm. bags that you just use to to you know cart your stuff about on a daily basis spin a bit to yeah. the gym or whatever and to the office or whatever that's a actually a difficult question because as a reviewer, <laughs> I obviously switch bags so often. Um, I can tell you. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll preface it a little bit by saying, okay, so someone takes away all your bags and they say mm. that for the next month, you've got, you can only keep one of these oh, okay. bags mm -hmm. for your daily use. Which of the, would it, which bag would it be? I would say probably the Evergoods pcl 20 okay so if it's just everyday carry i would go with a 20 liter bag because i'm fairly short with 170 centimeters in height i'm not that tall so that is why personally i would always go with a 20 liter version and the evergoods pcl 20 is a good middle ground in terms of a looking cool but b i would i wouldn't be hesitant to take that to a important meeting to maybe i don't know or like taking it to the lamborghini dealership to pick up your next yeah, Lambo, sure. that kind of thing yeah <laughs> you mean going to a lamborghini <laughs> lamborghini dealership and ask for like a match or a pen can i, can I have a pen <laughs> can i have <laughs> a, a glass of pen? water please <laughs> <laughs> i think that would be a good choice for me and it's also very simplistic in the layout inside i'm a huge advocate of or I'm not advocate i'm always saying that the more features the more slots and compartments a bag has the more it forces you to adapt to the packing style of a bag for instance pen slots hmm. I, I like pen slots in general however i use this pen that is called stabilo worker x and has this rubberized coating around it. And it's quite weirdly shaped because it is more or less ergonomic. Therefore, it, it never fits any <laughs> pen slot. Therefore, it's quite, there's no need for a pen slot. And if I would utilize 
these kind of compartments, I would need to buy a different pen or start using a different pen. Therefore, I always say you kind of need to find a balance in terms of compartments and slots that are available in a backpack. And the PCL20 is kind of simplistic. It has one main compartment, one laptop slot, two mesh pockets in the lid inside, and one no two one quick access compartment and one kind of outer drop-in slot in in the front so it's quite simplistic but it will adapt to your packing style so that would be my everyday carry if you are putting a gun to my chest and say hey you also need a bag that is more versatile then i would go with the black amber forge okay. because that is also cool looking but you can transform it into briefcase mode, then you look even more professional. And then you can actually transform it into a carry-on bag. So that would be a great all-around multi-purpose bag for me. But two really good suggestions. So I, I love both those. The, the second one being, I guess for me, it's, and then this is something that I think you've raised many times, is weight. Yeah. When you get, when you get tougher materials, when you get burlier yeah. materials, yeah. You get weight, you know. Good if you point. have, I like lots of compartments and stuff. Yeah, tend to bring weight, and I guess that's. I think over the years, of learning from your videos, and and I've tried out a ton of bags over the years too. So, I've kind of got to the point where if it's above a kilogram empty, I don't touch it, which yeah. which writes off so many awesome bags. And my daily use bag now is a uh, is the Able Carry daily Daybreaker plus. Two. Oh, the Daybreaker. Mm -hmm on the basis that you can empty it's a, i think i've got it at 580 grams empty mm, yeah okay there's no no light. structure yeah but it's you know it's 25 26 liters mm. and i wouldn't recommend that for lots of people i've got a very specific use case for my what i use it for but yeah, yeah those are great suggestions fun enough that leads us on to the next one which is the pouches because mm -hmm. if you especially on that evergood mm. you've got a fairly sizable cavity yeah so how you've got to divide or you suppose you don't have to but you've got to divide your stuff in theory yes so pouches are the the go-to yeah i love pouches um especially in terms of being a reviewer switching bags around even if i wouldn't be a reviewer having pouches and be able to kind of quickly change loadouts or change bags makes everything so much easier it does add up weight, obviously, because mm. every pouch adds grams and a little bit of weight. And I get a lot of feedback in terms of, oh, there was just a few grams. But those grams add up quickly. And um, it might not matter if you are using your car a lot. Then obviously you don't walk around. But we in Europe, we use a lot of subways. Yeah. or bicycles or i ride on the motorcycle and if you are have a heavy bag on your shoulders even if i'm just sitting on the motorcycle it will kind of dig into your shoulders and it's not getting heavy but it will kind of limit the blood flow to your arms and i actually notice if the bag is too heavy that my arm gets a little bit tingly i'm not sure oh, okay. if, if that's the word uh yeah. you know when the blood flow is yeah. limited to your arm then i kind of have to 
when I'm at, at the traffic light, I kind of have to kind of swing around my arm a little bit if the bag is way too heavy. Obviously, as a film editor, or not as a film editor, as a person that I am, I always carry my keyboard and stuff like that, especially since COVID. I don't want to work on someone mm. else's keyboard. So I bring my own. And all of those items, especially with pouches, they will add up in grams. And yes, you could argue that pouch is only 100 grams. But then again, you fill it up, yeah. and you have a charger, and then it adds up. And suddenly you are at five, six kilograms of, of a bag that you only use for work. If you're traveling, that's obviously not that much, but still. It's... That's still, I mean, that's a good old weight to have on your back. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, I mean, does that mean that your your patches, of, your patches, your pouches of choice would be kind of feather? Like, would you, I mean, so no. I, you're not no. a fan of that? No. As a... I, I want to use feather uh, light pouches. But I kind of also need to take into consideration padding. Protecting the gear that's in it. Yeah, protecting the gear. I mean, I pack, for instance, a Logitech MX Master. It's, it doesn't, if it would get crushed or anything, it wouldn't break. But I'm not sure if longer pressure on one button, for instance, would kind of not bend, but kind of, I don't know, not damage, but if... I'm not sure if how to explain it, but I imagine that if that button would be pressed for multiple hours because it is yeah. kind of wedged in between something because it's a non-padded pouch, I'm not sure if the button would kind of stick to one place. You know, on those old Super Nintendo controllers, <laughs> when you pushed one button too much, it kind of stu got stuck into one position because it, yeah. it was overused. And I'm not sure, maybe I'm just a little bit too, I think too much about it, but that's why I like padded pouches. For instance, the Evergood CAS2 is my favorite pouch because oh, okay. it kind of transforms also into a desk cradle. But it is one of the biggest. It's a, I, I have one. Yeah. 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 Um, have you got the one, the, the one version of that? The sort yeah. Of I do. Oh, of course you, I say have you. I know I've seen your videos. Yeah, of course you have. But I, I don't know how to utilize it. Yeah, Probably. that that's the thing. I did you see the new? They've just released this. Yeah, you've probably been sent one. I'm assuming, but it's. A... Uh, I was supposed to get one, but I, I believe it got lost in mail. I oh, think God. they sent it with DHL, and DHL is always losing my stuff. <laughs> I'm not oh, sure God. why. <laughs> well, when you do finally get hand, your hands on one, I'm obviously looking forward to seeing what you think. But yeah, I, I was just trying to think of what's the use case of this. I don't know for that cash, as in it's, it's. I mean, it's going to be beautifully made and all that mm. sort of stuff. So I'm, you know, I'm on board with whatever goods do. I like a lot of the products. I've owned a couple of the bags, still own one, and I own the. You know, I've got the Cap Two, love that. Mm. But some of the functionality, I just can't like the Cap One. I just can't work out. Yeah, what's like. And you, and if you fill it up, it become it's no longer thin. It's this bulky yeah. thing. Yeah. So you may as well just have almost may as well have a cap too. Yeah. I'm also not sure how to use it and what it is actually for, but I'm I'm not afraid to kind of criticize brands that I love. I'm a huge Black Amber fan, but I'm pretty sure that I was one of the harshest critiques of, <laughs> of their TKS and Shadow. Um, lineup and I kind of 
I wasn't sure. I thought they were a little bit salty about that, but were they okay? I'm not sure. I'm, that's just speculation because I I haven't heard from them in a while. But now I I started to hear from them again. So I'm not sure if they. I'm not sure if that is salty is the right word because we are in, on good terms when we are talking via email. But I kind of felt bad that I criticized those two bags so much. But I felt it was important because yeah. It's a tough line to tread, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. they just weren't good bags. Or not, I mean, they were good made, but the usability wasn't on very well thought out, in my humble opinion. Black Amber is one of the more unique and more innovative brands out there. I always, I'm always excited what they bring to the table because out of Put a put a pile of bags in front of me, and I can see the black amber bag right away. And with other bags, it's sometimes they look good, but they just look too similar to someone something else. And I'm not saying they copy each other because there's just so much you can actually do with a bag, just with a phone. I mean, a slap of a phone. What? How do you want to kind of innovate mm. that? It's a it's a phone. That's true. So yeah. On, with bags it's the same or it's similar and i feel that black amber has found a design language that is very unique to them and that's what i like a lot for instance i'm testing right now the citadel series great bags and they kind of lean now more into a design language that is not that unique anymore but they ha still have their dna in it i feel the previous versions were much more unique. They've mainstreamed a little bit, probably to, to hunt bit. their sales, I guess. Yeah. Not only their sales, I feel, I'm not sure if that is, that is just pure speculation on my part, but I always hear that there is a scarcity of fabrics. And oh, okay. obvious, not of fabrics, um, anything. I feel like an, anything is getting a little bit more difficult to produce, not bags overall, but Anything that you hear of in the news, everyone is saying like, okay, there is a scarcity of this and that. That's why it's getting more expensive. Then I would assume not many people have bought bags during COVID. And therefore, oh, yeah. I believe at some point you kind of need to go a little bit more mainstream to have more sales. Yeah. I'm not sure. But that's, again, that's just pure speculation. And I have no degree in economics or stuff like that. <laughs> we. We we like a bit of speculation. Yeah. <laughs> Opinions are what what make the world go round. Yeah. It's all good. Okay, so let's thank you. Um, let's let's move on to a, a podcast favorite of of watches. Sure, I know the answer. What, what watch have you got with you today? Or what I'm going to say? What watch have you got on first of all? Yeah. And then what watch have you got with you? <laughs> Once you get married, you will get to a point where both of you you and your partner don't wake up at the same time therefore it's not good to have an alarm clock that is very noisy so i started to wear a fitbit back then but now i i, I switched to a samsung watch 4 the main reason is the vibration alarm that wakes me up in the morning and i'm terrible when it comes to snooze button so i have i'm not lying about 10 alarms or maybe five alarms <laughs> that I always put on slumber mode. So, 
So it is very important that I have a vibration. It's got to be attached <laughs> to you in order yeah. to. Okay. <laughs> so that's why I'm wearing a Samsung Watch 4. Which brings me to the dilemma that I rarely wear my mechanical watches. And one of my favorites is um, the watch that I gifted myself when I, I don't know, was it my 10 year? Yeah, it was, I think it was my 10 year anniversary for being a freelancer. I'm now a 15 years freelancer. And I bought that, the Steinhardt um, Ocean, Ocean One Titanium 500. Oh, nice. You said the magic word there, the titanium bit. Is the titanium. <laughs> because my dream watch is a two-door Black Bay. Okay. I want that. I want that watch so much. I kind of switched. Which one? The Black. Isn't it called a Black Bay? Isn't yeah, no, it's just which, called the Black Bay. So there's, there's, as in like the 41 mil one or the. Yeah, the 41. The 41. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the kind um, of the original one, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want that one so much. But it kind of changed, and I believe that is something to do with getting a little bit older. I also like the Grand Seiko a lot. Oh, you know okay. the classic dress watch that looks really good. Yeah, um, they do a lovely manual wind one yeah. that kind of straddles the dress yeah. watch. Can't remember the code for them, but the yeah, I mean Grand Seiko do some cool stuff. The Tudor is is it like three grand or something? Yeah. 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 I, I just couldn't justify that purchase. And so I was looking around and then I saw the Steinhardt on, I'm not sure which Instagram account it was, but I saw someone with a, with a Steinhardt. And then I just looked into them and I saw how the internals are made and what kind of materials and mechanics they use. I'm also a huge, if I want something, I look at all of the reviews i go into all of the forums and i read up up about them and i get that many people criticize them for being like homage watches to rolex but at some point i was like okay i don't care let's buy it i don't mind all watches are homage to something yeah yeah and then i bought it and it was 750 still a lot of money but i felt a hell of a lot of watch for that yeah, money. It's yeah. a lot of watch. Titanium, then it has this I forgot the 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 movement. What was it? Is it a know. it's a Salita movement in uh, Sinai, isn't it? Or is it an Etta? Could be. It's an Etta, yeah. It's an Etta, yeah. It has a sapphire, a sapphire dome, and it's it's a great watch. Unfortunately, the first one that I got was they had a uh, different movement that wasn't well lubricated and that was a known issue. I didn't know about that because oh. this was my very first proper mechanical watch. I did have, I started with the Seiko Baby Nano, a Baby Monster. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. But uh, this was the very first one where I felt, okay, this is a little bit more premium. And they actually used movement that wasn't well lubricated so it stopped moving at some point um and you had to wind it up a little bit more and then it, it moved for an hour and then it stopped again so i sent it back they switched it out to the eta movement 
and now all of their watches have ETA movements, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, that's one of my favorites because it has so much sentimental value to me. Yeah, a lot of the friends of the podcast and stuff are are so far down. A bit like the three normal hosts of the podcast, we're so far down the watch thing that we've lost all sense of normality. Yeah. yeah. And I think the the as to what is a nice watch and what's not. And I think it, what it always comes back to now, and I think I've been in the hobby watch-wise for like, I don't know, 13, 14 years, something like that. It, it's down to what you enjoy wearing yeah. and what you like. So yeah. like the titanium bit, a lot of people are kind of unbothered. Like titanium doesn't mean anything to them. So they wouldn't, that's not a function they would, or rather a, a, a thing they would chase. Whereas, you know, knowing that, you know what, you like titanium, so go down yeah. that avenue be led by the avenue of the specs that you enjoy rather than worrying about what other people say and think yeah also you wear a watch no one else does yeah. i know there's the, there's a whole sort of thing of watches being flex pieces and that sort of stuff but yeah. in reality no one ever notices your watch other than you <laughs> yeah. unless you're at a watch meet or something and it's, it's it's a slightly upsetting experience actually at times you know there you are thinking you're walking down the street and oh everyone took it on my watch no they're not <laughs> No one's ever looking at your watch unless they're planning yeah, but, to rob you, I guess. But I think it, it came back, but more in a negative way um, of the influencer space and the space of, okay, that is actually guilty pleasure. I watch a lot of YouTube drama stuff or commentary things where they kind of negatively critique oh, okay. other channels and at the moment, <laughs> a lot of commentary channel kind of critique these alpha male oh, pickup yeah. artists kind of we buy high life stuff kind of channels. Like uh, we buy Lamborghini, Lamborghini. And, yeah. APs, yeah. Yeah. And there are this, I feel like the the Rolex, uh, what is it called? Datejust? Datejust, right? Could be Datejust, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of the, the statement piece of most of these, this this gold one. Oh, okay. Uh, yep. Yeah, and then the Daytona and stuff, and also, but it feels like, you know, these these memes where, here, this, this is the starter pack of XY oh, yeah. person, and it feels like the starter pack of these alpha males is always a Rolex. Um, so just because of that reason alone, I, I would be very hesitant to buy a Rolex. <laughs> but I like them. I think Rolexes are beautiful, but yeah. I mean they're, they're overhyped beyond all imagining, frankly. But yeah, probably. I'm lucky enough. I own. I have a couple, and uh, one of them is probably the what was once upon a time called the kind of anti Rolex, as in it was the least Rolex-like Rolex, which okay. is the Rolex Explorer. Why is that the least? Well, as in oh, it's okay. the one that was. It's the least showy. Oh, okay. so it, it kind of, it's not, you know, there's nothing bling about it. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It was a 36 millimeter size. You know, it's so it's smaller. It's, there's a lot more kind of matte materials. It's got a black non-shiny dial. Oh, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of, unless you know it's a Rolex, it yeah, doesn't necessarily yeah, yeah. come across as one. And I think that always appealed to me. Weirdly, despite these things being expensive things, personally, I like my watches to be small and, and, well concealed if that makes yeah. sense i mean so i'm What's... i'm wearing one of my favorites for that today i'm wearing a it's a longines oh. but it's a 36 mil it's called a legend diver and it's i mean it's it's nothing Beautiful. swanky from a movement department yeah. but it's it's really small yeah. subtle 
no one's ever written you know, it slips under even a sort yeah. of normal cuff it kind of yeah it's it's um there's nothing showy about it there's nothing Can really I, shiny about it and i love speaking that. of showy i'm not that deep into the the watch and is horology is that the term yeah. for it? the the horology um niche what are people in that space thinking about those billionaire millionaire kind of watches you know those really huge ones that are kind of squarish and are almost the size so of hublot hublot yeah whether you have all of that stuff in inside or like a Richard Meal or yeah. yeah yeah what what's your opinion in general about those watches i can speak for myself and i'm i'm probably the worst person to ask about the stuff i i don't like it i don't like it um yeah, yeah, i, I ugly, respect right? it in the fact that the so for example the the hublots you know they yeah. i mean to me they're they're jokes visibly as yeah. in the you know they're oversized overly flashy kind of overly like leaning into one thing or another you know they're statement pieces and to me that that rubs up rubs me badly yeah. but technically they're incredible the movements will be unbelievably good you okay. know the, the construction they are they are beautiful beautifully made objects they're just not my cup of tea i think is the way i look at it i'd say with the richard meal you know those those you know 300 grand for a watch yeah you know i, I i'm okay with that in some way but when it looks like I don't know. It looks like a sort of you know like Lego made a watch type thing. Yeah. Um. I I I struggle a little bit, but mechanically the next level. Yeah, I can imagine. I think there is a grudging respect for all of for a lot of these watches, despite them being something that even if I had the money I wouldn't. And yeah. I think that's now I you know the 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 world's full of different people, isn't it? You know the kind of think of if you picture a sort of like Miami set. Where you've got, you know, everything's got a Barbie. I don't, I don't know if you've seen the latest Barbie film. No, I haven't yet. I'm picturing like a, you know, every, like blue skies and palm yeah, trees yeah, yeah. and bright red sports cars and you know that that sort of thing where everything's very superficial. Mm. I can see that in if that's your world, then I can see how these fit into it. Mm. From a normal person, so I live in a town called Bath in in the southwest of the United Kingdom. I, you know, the, there's nothing particularly flashy or showy about my yeah. life. And so it just doesn't fit, and I, I kind yeah. of view it that way. And I and I think, I, I I think most people, if you if you you know kind of pin them down, would probably say the same kind of thing. Mm. Although the watch world, we do love to have a good negative bash of of other you know of watch brands. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have talked to lots of people about this, and and the the I, I don't know if there's. There must be German chapters, but have you come across Red Bar? Mm, not sure. It's a sort of watch get together community. It's an international oh, no. thing, um, no, and no, I, no. I think it was started by some some Americans, possibly. But the the UK has maybe I don't know six or seven different chapters. It makes it sound like mm. a biker gang. A little bit. It, yeah. It's it's kind of it's the least biker gang you can possibly imagine. <laughs> probably the least intimidating bunch of people that you will ever find in a room together. But all these sort of watch geeks wandering around yeah. looking at watches, it's not, it's not an intimidating place. But uh, and those are fantastic. Those are brilliant ways of just kind of being able to geek out. I think it's probably like a sort of bag get together. I think you've had, you've had them in the past, haven't you? I, I imagine it has yeah. that kind of feel. Yeah, I had it. one in, in Hamburg. Yeah. I mean, Where you're in a room and it's a safe space. Yeah. So everyone's talking about the details. Everyone's being probably quite negative and deliberate and specific and have strong opinions. 
which they don't necessarily carry to the outside yeah. world. I think the problem being that lots of people in the watch world carry those opinions to the outside yeah. world. But I feel that with watches being so passionate and therefore opinionated, is that correctly said? Um, having a strong opinion. The reason for that probably is that these items that we collect are so expensive. And obviously you want to justify yeah. the investment yes. that you made. Therefore you have to be, or you have to have a very strong opinion of the That's purchase true. that you made, of course. That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, and therefore I've, I have so much respect for the watch world. And therefore I always, also for the knife world, it's the same. Some knives are mm. so expensive and I kind of oh, wow. get yeah. why people are so passionate about them. Therefore, I always, whenever I have a watch review or a knife review, I always emphasize, hey, I have no clue what I'm talking about. This is still, <laughs> I have owned this watch for a very long time, but still, I don't know. I don't read up on this so much that I am that knowledgeable. So take everything that I'm saying right now in this review with a grain, a heavy grain of salt. <laughs> this is just my opinion, but my knowledge isn't that great, especially with knives. I don't know about this steel. Is this a good steel? I don't know. <laughs> so, Or maybe you don't care either. There's an element of that. that. We're kind of, we're told we're meant to care about a lot of the details, yeah. aren't we? For some of this stuff. The reality is, I think it's good to care. I think it's important to care. But, but not to the cost of stopping you trying stuff or sure. like, you know, not like I'm not going to consider that because of X. Yeah. I think there's, I think that's kind of a shame. You miss out on some cool yeah. stuff. Or disregarding the use. Obviously, yeah. if you are, I don't know, working with that specific tool every single day or you are in a life or death situation, obviously you need the steel or the tool to be perfect. But let's be real. At least I am not saving lives with that knife. <laughs> Neither will I go outside with the knife. That's just for at home. So I don't yeah. need to care about specific steels or the sharpness. If, if those boxes ever fight back, <laughs> then then maybe, maybe we're in trouble. But I think for now, at least we're okay. Yeah. Exactly. The zombie boxes. <laughs> <laughs> but right, well, I'm going to fire on that on that subject. Then I'm going to I'm going to ask for your your right slice and light recommendations. Yes. What are, if you're if if I'm asking you so for one of each, you've got to pick three. So you've got to pick the three, the trilogy. Okay. What are you picking? What I like right now, or what would be my absolute recommendation Ooh, for okay. a new person that asks me because. Then Let, would... Let's go with the absolute one. The absolute. Okay, then yeah. the absolute. So your favorites then, I guess. Um, if someone would ask me, hey, I want to start my EDC, then I would definitely go with the Victorinox Super Tinker because I feel it has the, the right amount and the right tools for everyday carry in an urban scenario where you don't drink wine because the super tinker <laughs> is one of the if i'm not mistaken or at least to my knowledge or when i bought that it was the only one that i knew with the specific tools that i wanted that didn't have a, 
the bottle opener, but had the Phillips screw head. And it has scissors, it has a small blade to open packages where you don't need to mine the glue residue on the blade, a bigger blade. It is more or less street legal in some countries because it doesn't lock. It's a friction, is that the right word? Yeah, friction lock. That would be my recommendation for a knife. I would also say because it is so cheap, you could customize it with the money that you save by yourself some custom scales doesn't need to be titanium but on etsy you can actually find stuff or if you're really good and you have a 3d printer print yourself some cool <laughs> scales so that was the knife then what's next the the watch right no so a pen the pen or oh, pen is um difficult because my mom always said I'm stubborn and because I'm stubborn I tend to kind of push a little bit too strongly when I'm writing okay so I want to say the Fisher space pen but I because I push too hard I need something that is ergonomic and therefore I have the Stabilo worker pen with rubberized okay. grip not many pens have gr uh, rubberized grip areas um, and I do like tips that are medium sized so this one is 0 0.5 millimeters because the thinner it gets i feel the more uglier my handwriting gets so i need a little <laughs> bit of a wider tip lately i liked uh pencils because um some moleskin notebooks have very thin pages so because i use a medium pen size on this stabilo which is a uh, gel you can kind of see on the other page what you've written on the other side so i believe it is due to the combination of this being a medium tip and the pages on moleskins or a switch to leuchtturm um, notebooks oh, yeah. but they're also fairly thin um, you okay. still can see it on the other side therefore i switched to a pencil this is a no name pencil that i though i'm i'm glad you pronounced that because i've seen it written lots of times but i've never heard it said out loud Stabilo. um no no the well, now you're going to make me say it the the leuchtturm the... that one there you go <laughs> fun if i did i actually i lived in germany when i was very small my my dad was in the oh, army cool. so so i yeah i mean to say very small i mean i was like from the age of maybe like two to to four and a half yeah. that kind of thing so obviously i don't need to speak any german but <laughs> a german but nonetheless, is such a difficult uh, language though it's yeah, yeah it's really difficult that's quite a difficult word isn't it? i mean that's yeah. it's difficult yeah. yeah as in just thinking of how that's spelt as well i mean i that will we'll stick all these things in the show notes but <laughs> they're nice pat they're nice notebooks yeah. either way yeah. i mean yeah. i like them a lot. They, i'd say they are a step up from from the kind of moleskin yeah. type also, the I would always recommend to get the dotted version because yeah. it's much easier to to write on them. That's fun. That's a really good recommendation. Yeah, that's something that I think that, you know we're so used to ruled ones yeah. with lines that actually dot is so much yeah. more useful for different yeah. things. I love the dot, and it allows you to draw yeah. or write yeah. in straight lines. Yeah. Exactly. I think that I I've had a few which are you know like plain, yeah. so nothing. 
and inevitably my handwriting yeah. goes off. It on always some sort goes of like on the right <laughs> side. It goes down, right? <laughs> it slopes yeah, down. Exactly. Um, it's a remarkable how uncoordinated my handwriting Same. is without some kind of Same. grid. Same. Again, the last one was of the three is is a is a flashlight. Oh, a flashlight. Yeah. Then I would recommend the Wuben X Zero because it is small. It has USB-C. I'm an Android user, but now iPhone users also switch to USB-C. So you yeah. are always able to charge it. It is metal built. It has a magnet and a tail. So you can actually kind of attach it to a fridge or to your car if you have to kind of fiddle around in the engine. I don't, uh, but <laughs> it, it is. In your, Bo, that brings me actually to another question. Your smart car. Yeah. Um, how is that? I love it. You, is it. I mean, I have to say, it kind of, it reminds me of like a go-kart. Yeah, it feels like a go-kart. You don't have, uh, your steering doesn't have servo. Uh, is that what it's called in English? Uh, where it's like supported. So you oh, actually, uh, power, we, we call power it power steering. steering. Yeah, you don't have yeah. power steering in that. But the newer ones uh, have, but that's an old okay. one. I actually got it a really good deal. I bought it used for... 2000 quid i think really so really cheap it, it was actually a little bit damaged so but everything is all right with it you've got to do more videos with that because i can see like the whole the whole thing of it's like a so smart car fun. and then your edc yeah, yeah. like the, your latest video of trying to fit the bag in the boot yeah like well it's a bit too small for my boot but and i think you said later well if you've got a normal <laughs> car <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know and for me it's also with with watches or with anything I baby everything. So when okay. I buy it, I baby it. But once the first scratch is in it, I'm like, oh, okay, mm. let's bump that watch against whatever. And it, it's so liberating for me. I still love the, the item, but it's much more liberating. It's, yeah. I prefer riding a motorcycle, but the weather has become a little bit unstable. And I'm going so much to the gym and my wife was like, hey, I'm, I know you don't mind riding in the rain or in the wind or in december when it's really cold but i feel a little bit scared for you when you are on a motorcycle so i was like okay i can understand that you worry and i don't want you to worry so i was looking for a cheap car and i as i said i hate or i prefer riding a motorcycle because because it is so small it's easy to find the parking spot parking mm. in hamburg is really expensive and you're so nimble so i was like okay let's buy a smart car and i was looking for this car and I thought, like, 2,000 euros. Okay, let's take a look. And then I just bought it. And it, had, it had, already has scratches. It's dented here and there. <laughs> but I don't care. When I'm parking, I fit everywhere. And if I bump against a tree or something, I'm or not a tree, this light post, and I don't care. It's, it's already damaged anyways. <laughs> so it's liberating. I can imagine that, actually. It does. And they look really fun. Yeah. I've always thought they look yeah. really cool. I just, I've never actually met anyone who has one, but it's, as in, I yeah. the point of view of finding out, is it actually, because I guess it's well made. It's totally it's well made. Kit, it? It's a uh, yeah. It's all of the... It's Mercedes, isn't it? They, they used to be smart? Mercedes, right. yeah. Used they to, used to be. Okay. Now they, I think a couple of, uh, 10 or 20 oh. years ago, they split up from Mercedes and then now they're their own company. Um, it's always, it's owned by G, uh, Geely now, isn't it? I don't know, to be I think, because they've brought out an electric... Yeah, the the new version. Well, the new ones are electric, electric, and electric, I think yes. they're on the same platform as Geely, which oh. is also 
like Volvo and oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. And Zika as well. As another, so there's a Zika. whole load of cars that have come out and they're all on the same platform. Okay. And they're brands you're like, what? Huh? They can't be the same. So. <laughs> I, I love my electric. Yeah. So I'm kind of, I'm big into that. I would love to have an electric at some point, but right now, yeah. I just wanted to they are something cool. cheap. The good thing about smart cars is they are very efficient. You don't need to uh, okay. get fueled that often. You get good parking spots. Um, they, have you tried the parking kind of horizontally where you yeah. can kind of shuffle like a motorbike? Like yeah, my, kind of shuffle in. My like wife used to have a smart car and she did that all the time. I'm a little bit scared to do that. It is physically <laughs> possible, but yeah. I'm not scared in terms of that I bump anything i just i just don't want to get a ticket i'm not sure it is it is it feels weird yeah it feels it? weird it is allowed but it feels still feels kind of weird for me to kind of park that way <laughs> yeah but it's it's a cool car can highly recommend it it's not that common in us but in in hamburg and in germany they are very popular because it is so easy to park with them yeah. It it feels like a European thing, yeah. doesn't it? I can't imagine like the American, and I, I mean this is no way disrespectfully, but the American psyche couldn't comprehend a car so small. Yeah, but I mean, I, I used to live in Oklahoma. Everything is bigger. The streets are wider. Mm. The parking spots are huge, and so I totally get on fuel back then. I was in Oklahoma in nineteen ninety eight. So fuel was so cheap. So it, I cannot understand why people prefer bigger cars. But when you are in Germany, parking spots are so limited mm. and so small. Streets in some areas and some living areas are so thin. You you just can't drive with a big car through <laughs> there. It's just physically not possible in some areas. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I think that's I got. I think you got some great content potential. Okay. out of that I would car. think about that. Yeah, like you could have like a whole series of like, will it fit in the smart car? That sort of stuff is <laughs> in like a, how many bags, how how many of the ever good something can you fit into the smart car? It's like, a, but you can you can buy a smart car in the UK, right? They you can. Yeah, I don't. I might, like you said, I don't think you can buy that type of smart car new anymore. Oh, okay. I yeah, don't think yeah, they yeah. make them like that anymore. Oh, I'm, I, I could see. be completely wrong. I've got a feeling maybe, maybe it's they brought it out again, but yeah. I think the the move into the kind of electric only yeah, realm yeah, yeah. Is, is is kind of fairly like like MG electric only. Yeah, so. but I mean London. I've been to London once, and I feel the streets are similar to Hamburg in terms of width and how crowded everything is. So, a smart car would be very useful. It would I feel like I think so. But London, I guess, is full of people with egos the size of you know, small buses, yeah. and therefore the kind of <laughs> a smart imagine. car might be a little bit bruising. <laughs> they used to do a, do you know Brabus? Yeah. Well, I guess when it was owned by Mercedes, they used to do like yeah, a Brabus, had... like a souped-up version. Yeah. And I remember those. Yeah. So well, I, I lived in London for, for 12 years, and the, I remember seeing those ones around. And yeah. I guess I, it always, awesome. I always used to kind of chuckle to myself, and like the ego would not kind of allow them to have anything other than like a souped up one yeah i don't know they are cool they are fun yeah i'm gonna jump onto another topic if that's right sure 
So I guess, actually, fun enough, I've got this as a personal question, actually, and you, you raised it earlier. You're, the mouse you're using, I'm asking yeah. this as a newish Mac user, or indeed a new, I guess I've had computers a long time, but having a portable mouse that yeah. is still not this tiny little thing that it makes even my small hands feel yeah. massive. Do you, do you just basically use your, your normal home mouse? Do you just take it with you? Yeah. Okay. I always bring my peripherals, my keyboard and my mouse everywhere because of hygienic reasons. Is that the word? Um, because with most workstations where I go to, there are multiple people using those ah, okay. workstations. And I just don't like touching those keyboards. And back many years ago, in some offices, they were actually also allowed to smoke sometimes. Oh. <laughs> so some keyboards were actually quite filthy. That's grim. Yeah. Um, that's why I always bring my own stuff. And with ma mice, it's also because those Apple mice are just not ergonomic. And the Logitech M MX Master is, due to its size, the weight, and the shape, it's very comfortable okay. to handle multiple hours. So I can highly recommend to actually consider bringing your own mouse to the office. So which one have you got? Which which? Uh, that is the MX Master Three. MX Master Three. I have. I started with the MX Master Two. That's one of the little side scroll, isn't it, for editing? Yeah, and, the, yeah. both the MX has the side scroll, but truth be told, I rarely use it. Oh, okay. I don't use the side scroll that much. Actually, I don't use that many buttons on here. You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight buttons, including two inside the scroll wheels, and I actually only use three of them. The, the main factor is actually the... Um, the form factor okay it just it's it just comes just for you for a long period good. of use yeah exactly okay, cool thank you <laughs> sure okay so a bit of a random one but is in in all the reviewing you've done is uh is there a particular bit of gear it can be of any you know like bags or edc or any of that sort of stuff that really surprised you you know you had a really strong preconception about it you thought it was going to be this and it was really completely the opposite Either, either positive to negative or negative to positive, or just it was completely not what you expected. That's quite a tricky question. I get that's quite a deep. Mm, no, I have, I actually have two. One is maybe Fitlocks. Ah, okay, I have, yeah. I always loved Fitlocks until the moment that I noticed that they close that easy also sometimes means that they open too easily. And I actually had an incident on a motorcycle where I accidentally bumped against the fitlock and the slingback oh, detached. Okay. I was fortunate enough to kind of catch it with my, with my armpit, but that was Ooh. a scary situation. So I do only like the V-buckle style fitlocks because they open by pulling this little string but still are very easy to close due to the, the magnets. So I kind of, in the beginning, was all about, oh, fitlocks are so cool. But then I kind of changed my positioning about them a little bit. So that is something where I had a very positive opinion in the beginning, and then I kind of changed. If it is just an item, I would say I... Recently reviewed the Ground Truth Riker 
35-liter carry-on bag. Okay. And that bag actually surprised me a lot because I unpacked the bag and then I was really thinking, this is not 35 liters. This is, this is small. This is a 20-liter or, I don't know, 25-liter backpack. And then I started packing it and packing it and packing <laughs> it. And it was like, oh, I can't fit much more than I anticipated. And then it was about, all about, oh, this is so comfortable to carry. Oh, this is so easy to handle. And I was very surprised about that bag. It is not the prettiest, uh, for lack of a better word. <laughs> I would say it's kind of bland okay. and kind of boring. It doesn't look that special. But the usability, how you unpack it, how you pack it, how comfortable it is to carry, really surprised me. Highly recommend that bag okay. uh, if you are looking for a carry-on bag. Okay, thank you. All of, all of this stuff will be in the show notes. And we'll have a kind of detailed sure. everything we've talked about. Yeah. Um, we try very hard to do that. We are obviously a gear podcast. So yeah. if people can't click and go and either buy it or find it or find <laughs> a version, course. it kind of, yeah, it feels just <laughs> mean. You know, we're talking about stuff, but you can't see it. You can't see it. So. <laughs> Maybe you should also do a video version in the future. Yeah, I'm just I, I we we thought of when we when we started this, we thought about whether we should do it as audio only, and I think I think I overruled the other the other two are, are, are a you know, handsome looking gentleman uh, with distinguished looks, but I'm not sure I want my face necessarily. Oh, you yeah. should. You should. You, you, you can be in front of the camera, definitely. Maybe you should do a Patreon. Start the Patreon and do the video well, version. I kind of sit Patreon. here naked, you mean? Like a, a different sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I, I thought that we were supposed to be naked. <laughs> Sorry, everyone, and all, all your listeners. Yeah. Hold on, I want to see the video um, version. You know, I, both I, I promise listeners, we aren't actually naked. We are, we are, we are wearing clothes, <laughs> mostly. Well, we are wearing clothes from the top, from like a waist upwards, yes. certainly. <laughs> we can't promise anything below. We have our Donald Duck outfits where we don't yeah. have any <laughs> pants. <laughs> oh, that's that's distracting me completely. <laughs> where, where was I going? Where was I going? Oh, yeah. Okay. So one, one more. Another recommendation. That's right. And this may be a tricky one because I don't think there are necessarily a vast amount out there. But podcasts, if there's a kind of uh, a space specific podcast, do, do you have any that you're, you know, your major fans this... of a particular one? Of this space or podcast? Um, well, I'm guessing general, either really. It's uh, the, just things you'd recommend. Um, so. uh, the Linus Tech Tips uh, okay. podcast, the WAN show. I listen to that a lot, although I am not a PC user and I'm not that interested in compute. I'm, I used to be a tech support guy for a film production company. I repaired computers or administrative computers so i know that stuff still i'm not that interested in the details of what graphic art and stuff like that but i do like listening to the podcast because they have those are three people and they have good chemistry okay and also they not only talk about computers but also all of the stuff that surrounds politics about brands and stuff like oh, that okay and sort of a bit of insider gossip kind of yeah yeah also tech phones and stuff like that that kind of interests me and yeah i like to listen to that i also listen to mkbhd which is also a tech youtuber 
lately they have added a third person to the podcast usually i do like when there are multiple people i would love to have like a sparring partner in my podcast that's why i always invite people but sometimes if there is one person too much mm. or not too much but maybe it's not i do feel that the chemistry between the threes sometimes is not perfect sometimes i kind of tune out yeah there's kind of there's no doubt that i think two a two-person podcast is the kind of cleanest repertoire yeah. i think having i mean you know, yeah. as, as you know, the three of us on this yeah. usually and i think that that has some challenges with it yeah mostly technical i think actually yeah. we all yeah. you know we record remotely every time yeah um and therefore there's yeah and me learning to edit and stuff initially have you know the multiple tracks and trying to get it you know you don't want to cut out totally other people and that sort of thing and that was a real learning process but darknet diaries is um, also a podcast that i like to listen a lot it's all about internet security hackers and stuff like that okay. i'm very interested in that stuff because i do like tech a lot but i am very aware of the security issues that tech brings and just listening to other not other to hackers and security specialists gives me not an insight on how to do or protect myself but just knowing what is possible and therefore kind of incentivizing myself or preparing myself of what could potentially happen and i find that really interesting um, and know, know your enemy type stuff yeah yeah and then i also listen to some um camera podcast like the stallman podcast and the long lens podcast okay i used to listen to a podcast that is called they are just movies and that's a movie podcast but they can't they unfortunately quit yeah kind of movie podcasts are hard i think aren't they yeah. talking about film is is a challenge i guess and yeah. making that interesting because it's so like a film's quite a long thing and the I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I, I've I've tried a few movie podcasts kind of over the mm. years, and and never quite gelled with any of them. Never kind of, they've never yeah. kind of hit into the routine. I think I've got maybe like ten podcasts I listen yeah. to on a sort of weekly cycle. Yeah, and with with movies, um, it's also when it comes down to movie podcasts, you kind of need to find a podcast that is has a lot of spoilers so it's kind of a review after you already have watched the the movie and that's what i personally like okay. however i feel that with movies and with movie reviewers you kind of need to calibrate to that person first because it's not about how objective the reviewer is but rather about at least in my humble opinion to kind of know oh that person likes these kind of films or that is something that person dislikes a lot so therefore because i calibrated myself to that person if that person is a little bit similar to my taste yeah i know or oh, if that person doesn't like that movie i know i probably won't like that so it's kind of kind of an investment a time investment of watching a few of the reviewers content to con uh, calibrate yourself to or finding out if that person has a similar taste to you yeah that's that's what makes so hard to find 
a proper reviewing or channel of movies or a movie podcast, I feel. Bo, I have I have one last very important question for sure. you before we call it a day. Are you okay yeah. for time? I'm sorry, we've actually we've taken up an awful lot of your time, but That's I have this okay. one really just vital to... question to ask you first. Sure. And the question is Pepsi or Coke? Neither. Neither. Okay. Neither. Because uh, I drink a lot of water, and if I don't drink water, I like ginger beer a lot. Uh, okay. I drink a lot of ginger beer. Okay, do you have a favorite ginger beer then? That's another question. Um, I found this new ginger beer in stores. Let me just... I took a picture of it, actually, <laughs> because I always forget the name of it. Um, hold on. It's called Bun Bunderberg. Australian. With these little yeah. stubby bottles, That's really good, with right? the, like yeah, the, yeah, exactly. B Bundaberg, Australian family owned. Yeah, that is. I'm really calling. Tasty. I'm calling bullshit to the Australian family owned bit. I think that that that's like that's like you know little Auntie May's jam. Yeah. <laughs> really? really? Yeah, it's probably not Australian family owned, but that's pretty good. And in Germany, we have this what we call uh, Schorle. So Schorle means any fruit uh, juice mixed with sparkling water. Okay. 50-50. So that's, so it's Apfelschorle is apple, apple juice mixed with sparkling okay. water. That's, I do believe, I think, I've never seen that somewhere else, but that's kind of like a German that's thing. German. Okay. Where they, where we just mix a fruit juice, any fruit juice basically, with that fizzy. is, yeah, with fizzy water. So it's not that sweet but still has a cool taste. And then you obviously can mix it to your liking if you want it a little bit more sweeter or if you want more sparkly. Bo, it, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for, for coming on. It was a I lot think of fun. It has, been, it has been great fun. If it's okay, we will definitely ask for you back. Yes, I would love to. Next time, let's, let's see if we can get Philip or Ken. I know both of them have kind of niches that they're keen to talk to you about. You basically, sure. you straddle pretty much all of the interests on that we cover on this podcast. So cool. we've, I think the, the, if, it's, if it's right, we'll take up many more hours of your time over the next few months. But Would love to. Would love to. It has been fantastic. Bo, where, where can people find you? It'll obviously be in the show notes, but just, just for the yeah. sake of, of getting it. It's, uh, you can actually find me on Instagram, on YouTube. So you know the Bo is my handle on Instagram, on um youtube either my first channel or my main channel or my second channel where i kind of dabble around with movie and series um reviews which has and, more smart car action yeah <laughs> <laughs> and yeah my podcast the east mono podcast which is on all the same places that this one is i think isn't it on the kind of apple and spotify and yeah fantastic bo thank you very much yeah, thank you so much for inviting me and for this uh, awesome talk. It was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to the next one. <laughs> Good stuff. Bo, cheers. All right. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.